0: Thank you. What a week in professional wrestling as the autumn heats up with some truly historic moments. The rated R superstar is now part of AEW as Adam Copeland makes a jump at Wrestle Dream. DIY reunite at the end of Raw. WWE is loading up NXT for next Tuesday's Head to Head with Dynamite. And as if all that wasn't enough, there's a premium live event tonight. So plenty to talk about on this week's Earning the Push. My name is Jack Murley, professional broadcaster, Charlie Beckett, professional rugby player, and Nostradamus, because last week you You predicted we would start the show talking about Adam Copeland in AEW. You were spot on. It was like you had inside information. Yeah, I think it was a
1: pretty safe bet, though, wasn't it, really? It's like betting the sun will come in the morning. I think um, think we all knew it was happening. It was just all how it was going to happen. So... Yeah, loads to talk about today. It's an exciting one.
0: It certainly is. You can follow us wherever you do your social media. He is Charlie underscore Beckett on most social platforms. I'm Jack underscore Merley. Rate, review, and subscribe to this pod. We will be talking about NXT No Mercy, Fastlane as well. More CM Punk rumors, including the betting odds that he is, this is unbelievable, going to end up back in WWE at Survivor Series. But let's kick off with the news of the wrestling year so far. It may not have been the biggest surprise, as Charlie says, but it still felt surreal. Adam Copeland is now all elite. He makes his debut at the end of WrestleDream. He confronts Christian Cage and reveals that he's now signed a full-time deal with AEW. Huge, Charlie. Absolutely huge.
1: Yeah, it's enormous news, isn't it? I think. You think three and a half years ago, Edge, Adam Copeland, was retired and not wrestling. And now we've seen him have another run in WWE and he's moved across to AEW. So it's just the last few years are years you couldn't even fathom happening. It's it's mental. And I love that he signed a full-time deal. I've seen interviews with him. It's been fascinating interviews actually since it happened. Obviously, reasoning for it. And I think it's quite striking that there's no bad blood between him and WWE. It just felt like, and this is wild. I think they felt they had nothing for him which is crazy, and I saw another quote where he said that he could think of a whole list of names he wanted to wrestle in AW. He couldn't in WWE because he'd wrestled most of them, so I was really excited that hopefully we get Edge, Adam Coburn. I'm going to keep calling him Edge even though I know it's not his name now in AW, He gets the last run if this is his last run that he wants, and I think another huge part of it was you hear him talk about Beth Phoenix's daughters saying, well, "What's your absolute golden ticket? What's what's the perfect ending?" And he said, "Being with Jay and his he's uh, as in Christian Cage, obviously best friends that come to the whole time together." And his daughters just saying, "Well, go and have fun with Uncle Jay." And you're like, "Yeah, well, this is this is actually really nice on a human level that I think these two are going to have uh, potentially their all time run to go out now. It, it, it's fascinating and really exciting. I want to talk
0: about Christian Cage more in a bit, but." what i find remarkable about this is what we thought we knew versus what we actually knew last week we were saying you know if he turns up in AEW, he's only got a few matches left because i think everyone's assumption was that he was only doing a few matches in wwe because that's what he wanted and actually he turns around and goes, yeah I, I wanted to do loads more and wwe just didn't see that for me and i see their point of view but it wasn't what i wanted it is remarkable that WWE had someone like Edge who wanted to be full-time doing more and they just sort of outgrew each other.
1: Yeah, it's fascinating. I don't really understand how that happens because, yes, he's been in WWE for 25 years. Yes, he's had so many matches, against so many people. But if you're telling me your creative, can't think of anything good for this version of Edge to do, there are still matches left on the table that we didn't see. We didn't see Edge Kevin Owens. We didn't see Edge Sami Zayn. We didn't see Edge versus this version of Cody Rhodes. Said like there, are, there was matches and feuds on the table we wanted to see. I, I said a few months ago, I really thought there was money in Edge chasing the world title again because he never lost that title when he retired. Like I, I think that would have been a really interesting story. So it's it's a shame the WWE saw didn't see anything for Edge move forward. But I think it's exciting for us as wrestling fans that Adam Copeland now he will kind of I imagine be able to pitch what he wants to AEW and have some sort of creative freedom and license and he's when he's done that before in the past he's always done well so i'm really excited to see what he does in aw
0: yeah certainly am as well it's going to be an extraordinary run let's talk about just the debut i don't think aw gets enough credit sometimes for the way it makes its debuts the way it gets the music right the way it gets a production right the way that that all comes together such a big move to get adam copeland and i thought that that everything from the music to the production pretty much as good as it can be. And to hear Metalingus playing on AEW television, surreal.
1: Yeah, I thought the debut was excellent. If I was if I was splitting hairs, I didn't love the video. I think I saw you say this mm. as well. I didn't really understand that per se. I don't think we need that. I think the just the hit of you think, you know, which is Beth Phoenix saying it. How cool is that? I really enjoy the Beth Phoenix. That, that made me smile. Uh, but I think just that would... It almost ruined, it wasn't a surprise, we all knew he was coming, but it ruined the immediate, oh my God, it's now, moment of it. So uh, that's the one thing I wouldn't have done, but the rest of it I thought was perfect, I think. See, having him aligned against Christian Cage from the start is fascinating as well, especially with what happened, I'm we'll get into it, and Dynamite this week. That really added to the story for me. Yeah, let's get into what happened on
0: Dynamite, because I firmly believe that this is a huge move for AW. How can it be anything but But to have this version of Christian Cage, the polo neck wearing, dead dad hating, uber heel there for Adam Copeland edge to go up against. And it just shows how you can do less with more, because what is everyone talking about in AEW this week? Those three words, which we cannot repeat from Christian Cage on this podcast, just money that segment, all of it.
1: It really was, and I think the most amazing part of it and the best part of it is this is the first time in 20-odd years or so that Christian and Edge, Adam Copeland, have been pitched to us, presented to us as the same level of star. These are two main event stars. As much as you always say Christian got there in the end in WWE, it was always Edge and Christian. Here it's Christian and Adam Copeland going against each other, and I think... There'll be a million things happen, and I'll get it wrong, but I think we end up seeing Edge turn heel and align with Christian. I think that's what we see here. And I think we have a heel, Adam Copeland and Christian team. And I think I'm all for that because my favorite version of Edge is heel Edge. I didn't hate anyone like I hated Edge when I was a kid. Oh my God, I despised him. And I think he's at his best there. And I think because we were all just so happy to see him back, we never got that in WWE. This thing. So, like, when he went to Judgment Day and was heelish, that didn't really work. I think in AEW, you could see a heel Adam Copeland because the joy of him being back has died down. Like we're not surprised to see him anymore. He signed a full-time deal. We know we're getting a lot out of him. I really want to see him give him the heel ball and run with it.
0: I think it's going to be fascinating. I think he is as important backstage as he's ever going to be as a on on-screen presence. We've already seen that. I just think it's it's great. I just love wrestling, Charlie. I mean, just think that that who would have ever thought there'd be another national company getting Adam Copeland, that we'd be hearing Metalingus, that we've been seeing that going on. I just think it's fantastic. Now, this was the culmination of Wrestle Dream in Seattle, AEW's uh, first running of that particular pay-per-view. We saw Zack Sabre Jr. go down in defeat to Brian Danielson and Nick Wayne heel turn and more. Uh, thoughts on the show in general? I got one that I think is going to be controversial, but what did you think?
1: I thought it was a very good show. I haven't, I won't lie, I haven't watched all of it because again, life is busy and there's so much wrestling. I took the time to watch the main event, obviously with Adam Cohen at the end and I watched bits of it and then I watched the whole uh, Brian S- Zack Sabre Jr. match, which I think they'll look in your face, you're going to say you didn't enjoy. Couldn't watch it. I found
0: it. Really? I found it entirely unwatchable because of John Moxley's commentary. Did You You didn't like John Moxley's commentary, did you then? Hated every single moment of it. Now, John Moxley is an incredibly talented man. It could whip me from here to next Saturday. Um, he's 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 a trooper for the industry took me entirely out of that match because he wasn't talking about the story i was seeing on screen he was just talking and talking and talking and talking and i just couldn't enjoy it and I, I just i had to turn it on mute and then i was out of it i just for me it shows the importance of good broadcasters and i think aw's got a problem there now i know i'm the one in a hundred who probably had that perspective but i found it unwatchable
1: yeah, i do understand it. i i probably enjoyed the novelty value of john mox's commentary i thought he was amusing and entertaining If they said that John Moxley is a permanent fixture on commentary each week, then I'd have an issue because that would wear thin very quickly. It probably doesn't help that you are a commentator and broadcast yourself, so it annoys you more. It's like, I think any time anything happens in your profession, whatever that may be, uh, individuals get more readily and easily annoyed by it. So I do absolutely see it. Um, I think it probably didn't match with the sort of wrestling match we were seeing because it was just technically and just fundamentally incredible, the wrestling match. And then you'd have Moxie shouting at the top. It probably didn't fit that match. And I'm not sure I would have had him commentate on the whole show. That was a rogue wall for me. But actually, in fixture Stars, I did enjoy the comedy and novelty value of John Moxie on commentary, but don't want it as a permanent fixture.
0: He did come out and only do a few of the matches, in fairness. He wasn't there the whole time. But for me, I, I genuinely think if I was Tony Khan and I was running AEW, I'm going straight out and I'm getting different commentators. I'm just, Excalibur, for me, in my opinion, is not a a main play-by-play guy. He just, is, you need, even for that Adam Copeland debut at the end, you needed someone who was saying something more than unbelievable Adam Copeland has arrived. Like, that just didn't do the moment justice.
1: Yeah, and it seems very much like JR is winding down now, doesn't it? Which is completely fair, his age and the health issues he's had, unfortunately. The the mad thing is that Mauro Mello's out there somewhere. Marinello is sat in the ether somewhere, not commentating on any professional wrestling. And I know he had his issues with WWE behind the scenes with what happened with JBL, etc. But actually, whether that was his fault or not, we don't know. We don't know the full story, but it seems it wasn't. But actually, on the screen, he was one of the best play-by-play, play-by-play mans we've ever seen. So, mans, I can't talk today again. Play-by-play men we've ever seen. So, I, I can't believe that they're not having conversations with Marinello. I, I think even if you're not getting
0: Mara, you've got Ian Riccovanie who's doing a great job on, on, on Ring of Honor television, who's there. You you sort of you've got those contracts. I just think I think it's a weird time for AEW because it was a really strong pay per view, a huge wrestling moment, and yet for their fourth anniversary, they're still getting technical things wrong on Dynamite. They can't get the sound right on certain things. Um the TV ratings are dropping down. They've been beaten by NXT, not head-to-head this week, but NXT got more. You look at some of the pictures from some of the stadiums they're running and pictures can be deceiving. We know that. We went to Cardiff and there was a huge block of seats empty opposite the hard camp. So empty seats don't necessarily mean anything, but it doesn't feel like
1: a hot company at the moment. It doesn't, which is wild when you see some of the product they're putting out and the fact that Edge has just signed them. It's... I can't put my finger on why people aren't going. I don't know if it's that we are institutionalized as wrestling fans to always watch WWE first. And when we when AEW first came, WWE wasn't particularly good. At the moment, WWE is really, really good. So are we just watching that and we're just happy we don't need more? Like, do we need more wrestling than Raw, SmackDown, NXT, and our premium live events? No. You probably don't if that's good. So I don't know if that's got something to do with it. I think a good WWE, a strong WWE steals a lot of the casual AEW fans. Whereas the, the AEW hardcores are always going to watch AEW. But I think when WWE is bad, AEW pick up the casuals. I think when it's good, they don't pick them up.
0: I think that's such a astute analysis. And I think it comes down to story, 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 story. And AEW seems content to just say we got our 800,000 or so. We're doing the numbers. We're happy with. We'll just carry on like that. They need story, but we're we're broken records. We can we can play that tune every week, and we probably will. Let's talk about WWE and NXT. No mercy from California uh, this weekend. Uh, just gone, of course. Um, last week on the show, we were talking about how it looked like a strong show. Two headliners really: uh, Ilya Dragunov becoming the new NXT champion, defeats Carmelo Hayes, and Becky Lynch beats Tiffany Stratton to retain the NXT Women's Championship. I wanted to see two matches. I wanted to see Dragonov, and I wanted to see Lynch against Stratton. I was entertained by them both, particularly the street fight from the women that headlined.
1: Yeah, really, really good show. Um, the Ron breaker Baron Corbin match was actually very good as well. Um was a very entertaining match as well, but I'm not that surprised with how good Ron Breaker is. and uh, Actually, how good Baron Corbin is when he's given the right stuff to do. But really good, really entertaining show. I love NXT because it's never too long. You get around that three to four hour mark, happy days. Uh, Bill stole the show at the end, did the they? The women absolutely stole the show, that street fight at the end. I love Becky's entrance. I love when someone comes to a street fight with weapons for a street fight. Don't just rely on what's under the ring. Ring your weapons with you. Um, loved her ring attire with all the tributes to varying from Bray Wyatt to Seth Rollins to all the names she had on the independent circuit. I thought that was very cool. But I actually thought as much as Becky Lynch was brilliant, I thought it was a real, real coming out in the industry moment for Tiffany Stratton. I thought she was excellent in a main event of a... I know it's NXT, but it's a WWE pay-per-view essentially against arguably the biggest star of this generation in women's wrestling. And she more than held her own and was excellent. And her moonsault is one of the best you'll see. It is beautiful. So I thought it was just brilliant. I thought it was a brilliant, brilliant show. I'm a big Dragunov guy. I'm all for Dragunov, um being NXT champion. Yeah, I thought
0: it was a great, great show. I thought it did exactly what it said on the tin. I thought it was fantastic. Um, just because you mentioned it there, if you were coming to a street fight and they play your music and you've got your trolley of weapons, what are your three weapons you got in there?
1: Well, ones that they do use arrest and No, anything. Anything. can could be anything Charlie Beckett related. I mean... Straight up thinking this is real. like a, like a nail gun, but I feel like that's a bit much. Like you're gonna murder, like so maybe. All right, you Jack. <laughs> yes, yeah, sorry. No. Uh, what would I bring? Uh, me related. Oh, I think I'd bring like a rugby boot with like big twenty one mil studs in, which are about that long. That would do some damage. Uh, I'd bring a cricket bat, and I would bring. Oh, you know what I'd bring? I'd bring Otto's leather lead because it's like a whip. I could do some real damage. he's got a bit of metal at the end, the clip onto his collar. I could do some real damage with that. What would Jack Murley bring? Three hardbacks. Three political biographies. Just <laughs> the biggest, thickest hardbacks he can find. The biggest books I've got. Prob- probably a bookmark, so I can give
0: some someone some paper cuts or something
1: like that. I'd enjoy if you, like, hit them. The the opposition over the head in order of the series, yeah. At uh, the first book first, and the set, like, and you have to reorganize, yeah. And there's a lot of um, there's a lot of pay in that, I think.
0: You know when they hold up the bags and people think it's t- it's thumbtacks and then I open it, it's just tea bags, just like <laughs> loads <laughs> of PG tips just all being all been streamed. Oh
1: my God, he's brought the PG
0: tips. It's the pyramid bags. <laughs> Away from all of that, NXT is it, it, WWE is clearly gagging, absolutely gagging to beat AEW in the ratings on Tuesday. If you don't know, NXT on Tuesday is going head-to-head with Dynamite. Dynamite has been preempted, so it's gone to Tuesday. It's their first head-to-head showing since the Wednesday Night Wars that WWE did lose. They lost that war. They had to move. We got Cena, we got Cody Rhodes, we got Paul Heyman, we got teasers of Roman Reigns, and we've even got teasers of The Undertaker all showing up on NXT on Tuesday. Um, AEW counter programming with Brian Danielson versus Swerve Strickland and Edge versus Luchasaurus, but WWE knows what they are doing.
1: NXT WrestleMania. Just NXT or so like the, the 10th of October, NXT is gonna look like WrestleMania. Did you see overnight um you might have missed it because I only, I only saw it five minutes before we came on air the NXT advert during Smackdown last night ended with the Undertaker's gong oh well the now gong ended it it and like it ended the commercial on you uh, on USA net or Fox so tell me he's not coming out on Tuesday what is going on what is happening I know you want to beat them but you did like you don't need to bring all this out. It's incredible. Um, I'm really excited. I like that the short and Triple's have gone, I'm only really gonna get one shot at doing this. Let's properly drill them here. Like they could go over they could very easily do over a million here, NXT. If they if you are your tea's like Undertaker's out, Cena's there, Heyman's there, like yeah, this'll do over a million this week on um NXT and it's gonna be fascinating to see. Well, not only have
0: they got NXT, they're building already. They got Fastlane, which we'll talk about shortly, to build it some more. And Monday Night Raw. So if all your focus is, let's just whip the bejesus out of AEW, then you've got five hours more programming to build up hooks for it. Do you know what? I think this is the first time we've seen Endeavor begin to show their muscles and flex a little bit? Because Endeavor now own WWE, as we know, part of this TKO company, they don't want to be beaten by anyone else. And Ari Emanuel is just like Vince McMahon. He is a competitor. He's seen this AEW floating around and thinks, we'll have some of them.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think it's very interesting to see if this is how it goes now, that they're just going to be putting out bigger and bigger shows all the time. Sorry, something's just popped in my head from that man's name. Where's Ariel Hawani nowadays? I think he's just doing his own thing, a bit of BT sport, a bit he- of freelancing. I haven't, I haven't seen anything from him on social media for because he was always... I Always very much enjoyed his sit-down interviews and just they have similar names. I'm not, I can't remember, I can't pronounce the man who now owns Endeavour's name very well. Ari Emanuel, and uh, he has a similar name to Ariel Hawani, who I can say. Look at me learning. Um, <laughs> so yeah, sorry, that just popped in my head. Very rogue. So as I do this, to Jack Jack sends me a very good list to like a breakdown of the show of what we're going to do, and then you can see across Zoom is that Jack can just see something's going on. He's like, oh god, where are we going?
0: Sometimes Charlie does what we like to call calling it in the ring. And we have a layout for the match, and we say what we're going to do, and then Charlie just Charlie just goes off and where's Zara Hawani at the moment? Where's Zara Hawani? It's a very fair question. Um, he's Charlie underscore Beckett on social media. I'm Jack underscore Murley. We are going to talk some CM Punk before we wrap things up, but. Big show tonight as we record. WWE has fast lane. Last week, we only had two matches announced. They've decided to put some more meat on the bones of this particular premium live event. LA Knight gets a monster pop as he's announced as John Cena's tag team partner on SmackDown last week. Judgment Day against Cody Rhodes and Jey Uso for the undisputed WWE Tag Team Championships. Triple threat for the WWE Women's Championship as well between Asuka, Iosky Sky and Charlotte Flair. Um, we've got there, Charlie, in the end. It took a little bit of time for Fastlane to come together, but we've got there.
1: Yeah, and it's not going to be an all-time pay-per-view uh, like Battleground 2016 or do thing that we'll be talking about for years to come. Drink for Battleground. Yes, our coffee and tea in the morning. But I think it's going to be a very, very good um, B-show. I think it will be perfectly good. The rest will be good. There's a story going into it. I think Seth and Shinsuke will steal the show. I think it'd be a very good match, that, and there's there's... there's That's probably got the most story going into it of all the matches. I think the women's triple threat has the potential to be outstanding. Um, Three of the best you're going to see. And I do love a triple threat match when they're done well. I think they are very hard to pull off, but probably when they're done well, some of the best wrestling matches you can have with the moving parts in there. So I'm excited for that. Um, Jesus, the pop LA Night got. Oh, my days. I know they're big every week, but this was monstrous and I've seen John Cena in Hollywood do enough good acting to know he's a good actor. When Elliot Knight signed that contract, John Cena's facial expression was nothing shy of hilarious. Like, it, like I don't know if he comes back to WWE and forgets how to act, but he just did some of the worst acting, again it, again, John Cena is an incredible actor. I think he's brilliant, and I really enjoy his acting. But this was not good, this, sh- this look of shock on his face. I was thinking that as
0: I was watching some of the SmackDown highlights before we recorded today. John Cena, God bless him, is going full Hulk Hogan, mug to the people at the very back of the arena. I mean, why do why act at a 7 when you can act at an 11? And he is doing that. He's always like a mime at points, just the facial expressions. But Cena knows there's money in LA night, and I think WWE have a very interesting problem with LA Knight because you've, you've got sort of, if you're looking towards WrestleMania, you've got your Cody option, you've got your Dwayne Johnson option, you've got your LA Knight option now because I think the more this goes on, the more credible he is in, in sort of a Kofi-mania, um, yes movement
1: sort of way to be the guy. And you're going to have your CM Punk option. Yeah. Which we'll get into later. I know, I know we'll get into later. But yeah, this is... It's not as... And there's also, there's the gun through it all if he drops the IC title. Now, the way it's going at the moment, I don't see him dropping that before uh, WrestleMania because I don't think there is the space to bring him up currently. I think if you unless you bring him straight up to the World Title Feud, there's no point taking that Intercontinental title off if he's making it so prestigious. And the longer you keep him with that, the bigger that that moment becomes when he loses it. So I think if you aren't going to have him win the Rumble or come straight into the World Title Feud at Mania, I'd leave that title on him. Leave him doing the, the great work he is. So there are so many options. From about three months ago, it seemed very obvious we could only go to Cody Roman again. And it was like, how are we getting there? And Seth would face whoever won the Rumble. Now, there are so many options. This is the beautiful thing about wrestling. It can just change so quickly. We, we could legitimately see
0: a WrestleMania card or two cards this, this year, because obviously we've got the, the two nights, that looks something like CM Punk versus Cody Rhodes, Roman Reigns versus Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Um, and then you've got a slot in LA Knight in maybe a triple threat with with Seth Rollins and Gunther for the World Championship. Who knows? But, I mean, that card, we're six months out from WrestleMania, and WWE is like the chef in the kitchen who's got all the ingredients, and it's just, what do you want to cook? Because there are very few bad options. Unless
1: you make LA Knight the man to beat Gunther. Now I know it's not the world title, but that that would be that's as big a deal as you can get right now. And that that's whoever whoever beats Gunther is getting as big a push as you can give someone in WWE without giving them a world title. Like at the moment. I can't think of apart from ending the streak, like I can't think of something really. I'm not this isn't hyperbolic. I generally can't think of anything in my time watching wrestling that shy of winning a world title or breaking The Undertaker streak that will automatically catapult someone to superstardom, like ending this title reign of Gunther. I don't know if you can think of anything.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. I was just thinking, what means more, winning the Royal Rumble or ending Gunther's Intercontinental title streak? And honestly, I think for a guy like LA Knight, it means more for him to not win the Rumble but beat Gunther for the IC title than win the Rumble and lose at Mania, which just shows how credible Gunther is. I think they're gonna have an issue
1: if if LA Knight doesn't win the Rumble, I'm not sure I put him in the Rumble. I think I have him face Roman or Seth, the world title, at the Royal Rumble, because you're gonna get the Daniel Bryan of it all where if he's in that Rumble, the crowd are only wanting one man to win, and that is it, and you will have your Rumble hijacked by the fans. You certainly will.
0: Rumble a little way away. Anything else that stands out for you, by the way, for for tonight's card for Fastlane? I think Shinsuke and Seth is going to be a show stealer. I really do. And I think Shinsuke, as we were saying last week, some of the best work of his career in WWE, now they've realised, let's just let him speak Japanese.
1: Yeah, I think it's going to be a brilliant match, and... I really think Shinsuke could win. Mm. I think if you put a gun to my head and I had to choose someone, I would say Seth Rollins still wins. I do think that's where the safe money is. I think I would still put my money there. But I think this is the most likely title change in Seth's run so far, both with the work Shinsuke's doing, and like we spoke about last week with the fact that WWE are launching a new channel in Japan, having a Japanese world champion, both in the men and women's division, would be very good for business there for them. So I, I think there will be serious, serious conversations about it. But I do think Seth will still come out on top. Um, I wouldn't be angry either way. I'm really enjoying Seth Rollins' uh, title run. But I've always been a big Shinsuke Nakamura fan. And I think the way he's been handling WWE for a long time has been poor. And finally, we're seeing him handled the way he he should be now. And I'd be all for this foreign heel. And I know that's... A, old trope that isn't always handled too well in WWE but you'd like think in 2023 they could do it a little bit better a little bit more sensitively I'm all for this foreign heel who doesn't speak English just tearing down everything about WWE in America as champion I think there's a lot of money in that done right now
0: I do as well and I think I think whether he wins or whether he doesn't the fact that both of you are going he's uh, both of us going, he's credible he could he could win um shows what a good job they've done DIY your mates
1: back together your favorite we they were my mates I wish I could go for a beer with Tomasa Champer and Johnny Gargano
0: now this when I saw this happen I thought if ever there was something for Charlie Beckett it's a DIY reunion and a feud with Imperium because this harks back to everything you loved about old NXT I know the timelines didn't exactly overlap but essentially this is like someone's taken the best bits of, of old NXT and thought let's whack it on Monday Night Raw and if you're doing anything with Tomasa Champer and Johnny Gargano whack them together for a bit let's get DIY
1: going I loved it yeah massively massively first of all because of how good Gunther is I don't think Kaiser and Vinci get enough credit for how good they are by the way in Imperium I think they're absolutely brilliant and I actually think there will be money in them having the tag titles at some point and having their own little thing in Imperium because they do get lost under Gunther because he's so good and so overbearing and such a Such a huge personality and presence But those don't sleep on those two Both as characters and as wrestlers They are excellent And a feud with DIY between those two With Gunther lurking in the background Yeah, give me that That's going to be really good Um, I say it every time it comes up If you don't understand or don't know Or haven't seen the history of Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa Give it to Google Have a read and then get on the network And watch just their three takeover matches Because they're just incredible Against each other and go and watch their tag team matches together against Alpha Academy, The Authors of Pain, The Undisputed Era. All these matches, they are. You could easily spend a whole weekend just watching brilliant DIY work from NXT. They are sensational, and I'm really excited to see. Hopefully, this tag team given the correct run it deserves on the main roster.
0: And, and look, what we need to say as well is we'd criticised AEW if they didn't do this. WWE needs to not just say, give it a Google, put put those vignettes on Raw, show people, say, look, this this is who DIY is. Because Champer and Gargano haven't been done the best on Raw really introduce them to that um the segment from smackdown don't know if you saw it you know i don't know why i'm i think i think i'm a, a i got a bit of a kink for intergender wrestling do you see the rhea ripley and paul heyman segment where um she's backstage pitching the the judgment day and bloodline working together and heyman says i need to authorize it with reigns and ripley goes it's authorized and she's sort of stepping up to heyman and to reigns and i thought wouldn't hate a
1: rhea ripley roman reigns feud I've I haven't seen this yet. I've missed this, but if I had seen it, the first thing would have thought was, of course, Jack loves this. Of course, you just want to see Rhea Ripley beat up men, I think, don't you? Oh,
0: maybe that's my thing. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe at thirty-five years old, I've gone full circle and I've just come come all the way around again. I just, I don't know why there is something about Rhea Ripley. She's so charismatic, and you, she. Do you remember when Lynch and Cena sh- shared a ring, and Lynch and the Rock shared a ring on SmackDown a few? And she could, Becky Lynch could just match their level. I think Becky Lynch. I, I think Rhea Ripley, excuse me, she seems credible. She I don't know why she seems credible in
1: Roman Reigns' world. She's she just oozes star power, Rhea Ripley. And I think it's a few things. It's the way she's been presented, like she presented so, so well. It's the way that she is physically imposing. She is she's stacked. You see the videos of her doing lap pull down last week on the way she put Mammy's back, but it was just how big her back is, like she's incredibly strong, incredibly defined. She has she has uh, sex power. She she is not like it's a big thing whether you like it or not in wrestling. Being attractive is an important part of it. Unfortunately, like it's still very much. I these are people running around in not all the clothes of the world. She's incredibly attractive for the men and the women. For the men and so, yeah, the yeah, I'm not I'm not doing just the women here. Like, yeah, in, in general, everything. So she has that sort of attraction there as well. She's dynamite on the mic. She's brilliant, and I think it's really interesting how she has changed. I mean, if you go back and see Rhea Ripley, the first ever NXT UK Women's Champion. She has this blonde hair, she's face, she's lovely, she's giggly. She's, no, give me six years later, she's the biggest heel in the industry. So I think it's fascinating. It's brilliant. And the weirdest and scariest thing is I think she's 26, mm. Rhea Ripley, 27. Like she is a young woman. She could easily do this for the 15, 20 years. Like you see Tristratus going in her late 40s. We could we could be seeing Rhea Ripley doing this for a long, long time. So it's really exciting and i think she's probably one of wwe's biggest stars right now men or women
0: yeah she she to me is she is must see tv and look yeah i got a thing for for intergender wrestling but you can't tell me that if they booked a, a bloodline versus judgment day war games and in the final smackdown before war games they announced a Roman reigns Rhea Ripley match. And even if they never delivered it, even if it was like McMahon-Austin when Dude Love comes out and ruins it, you cannot tell me that that would not keep eyeballs on the show all the way through and that that wouldn't be a draw, even the tease of Ripley and Reigns. Or am I completely wrong? No, no, it would absolutely have people watching. I, I do not doubt that for a second. Speaking of keeping people watching, if you believe Dave Meltzer, CM Punk wants to return to WWE. WWE wants CM Punk back. Survivor Series is in Chicago. And the smart money, ridiculous as it is to say, is that CM Punk is likely to return to WWE in Chicago
1: at Survivor Series. What a flipping world. How is this something we're actually talking about, which now you'd be more surprised if he didn't turn up? Genuinely now, I think... What you're hearing from behind the scenes from the likes of Meltzer and Alvarez, their hints, they are dropping on WWE television. Michael Cole, jainly quoting uh, CM Punk's original pipe bomb to Seth Rollins about being a puppet. Corey Graves last night on SmackDown said the greatest, I'm paraphrasing here, but the greatest trick the devil ever uh, played was convincing people he didn't exist. A classic CM Punk line. It's just, they've got Seth Rollins talking about being the best in the world. You're like, what? This is happening. And it's absolutely wild. And take the professional side out of it that this was a man who was AEW champion not too long ago. It's just the fact that CM Punk is coming back to the company that, in his own words, made him ill, made him hate wrestling. And please let's never forget they sent him a letter telling him he was fired. On his wedding day. On his wedding day. You do that to me, I am never working for you ever again. I'm never looking at you ever again unless it's to end you. Like, this is wild. And we all on this podcast know that I have said a million times, I stand by this, if I was in charge of wrestling company, I wouldn't touch CM Punk with a 10-foot barge pole. Not that I have one lying around, not many people do, but if I did, I wouldn't touch him with it, okay? As a wrestling fan, Oh, I want to see it. Oh, I'm so in on seeing this just as a fan. Like, put all the business part of it as a side, Charlie Beckett, wrestling fan, wants to hear a of personality go off at Survivor Series in Chicago, and I want to see the carnage that ensues.
0: And see it this way. We spoke about Adam Copeland versus Kenny Omega, Adam Copeland versus Miro, Adam Copeland versus John Moxley, CM Punk versus Seth Rollins, CM Punk versus Roman Reigns, CM Punk versus Gunther, CM Punk versus Shinsuke Nakamura. There, If, 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 and all the evidence suggests he can, if he can keep himself out of trouble and out of mischief, it's money. There's, there's money all the way to the bank there.
1: Yeah, there's just so much money in CM Punk back in WWE and just give him a mic and send Triple H out with a mic. Just put them in the ring together, both for microphone. Let's see what happens. Honestly, Um, I just think it's very exciting. And I honestly believe that in 12 to 18 months, it will all have ended into tears. I honestly believe that with every fibre of my being. But what a 12 to 18 months it'll be.
0: I'll, I'll send you the notes for September 2024 when we talk about CM Punk's annual implosion in a wrestling show. I'd love him. I'd love him to come out with his, quote, real-world championship he never lost from AEW. Imagine imagine. Imagine him saying to Seth Rollins, Seth, I know a little something about Mickey Mouse world titles, and then just holds up that one with the crossover. Do
1: you think if he comes to Survivor Series, because I saw a thing on Twitter, someone saying, it would be a better surprise, a better moment for him to come out in the Rumble, and I don't disagree with that, is the fact that Survivor Series is in Chicago. That changes everything. If Survivor Series wasn't in Chicago, I'd wait till the Rumble. How do you bring him out? Because the best idea I've seen so far is that the it looks like a are heading towards some sort of war games or some sort of Survivor Series five on five, mm. which makes sense, that the face team lose someone during the show. Like one of their members gets beaten up by the heel team during the show. And we all, we need a new member. And Cody Rhodes brings about that that seems to be the way that it would be done most obviously i don't know if you've got any ideas of how else you'd do it hadn't heard that but having heard that i love that idea
0: i mean i like i like the idea that he just pitches up in the crowd i think that was quite interesting and would be if it depends whether you do different or obvious and i don't mean obvious is bad in this sense if you want to do different you do what triple h has done in nxt which is you just have I don't know, you maybe have the lights go off, and then when the lights come on, he's sat cross-legged in the middle of the ring to end the show, and you don't do anything else. Like, that's it. You, you, so then you've got the tease for Raw. However, if you just want to string something through a show, and you want, yeah, I, I quite like that War Games idea. I think we need the
1: moment where a of personality hits. Yeah. like You need that, and probably without a vignette before it. Yes, probably without... Yeah, that, to go back and bring it full circle, that vignette
0: was a little off, but I, I, do. as wrestling fans, we can quibble. We got Adam Copeland pitching up in AEW. So look, that's barely scratched the surface of wrestling this week, but we need to sort of wrap it up, but we'll do it with everyone's favourite part of the pod, earning the push and back to developmental, something we love from everyday life and something we hate. First or second, Mr Beckett, where are we going?
1: I go first, I'm a deck quick this week. Um, earn the push, firstly... This doesn't count because I'm not allowed to do it because it's wrestling, but I meant to say it in the normal podcast. Just a word for Michael Cole, who it was spoken on raw this week that in twenty-six years he's missed two shows. Yeah. I think Michael Cole is sensational. So that was something I meant to say earlier. So that but my actual earning the push is uh, I picked up a book this week, just sort of read a book I've had for a while that I've meant to read and started enjoying it, and the joy I realised when it was the first book in a series. So I've not got a new series to read. So that made me very happy, just it's uh, combined of enjoying a new book. It was literally just one that I had on the bookshelf, and wanted to start reading again this week because I've not been reading much recently. So I picked it up, and I was like, oh, this is good. I'll see if it's part of a series. Bang, first one, there's 12 more. So I am very happy with that. 12? 12? 12? This was from 1999. This was published. and It's, not, it's, a, it's a slightly older book. So I'm don't
0: say, don't that. say it's from 1999 like it's Dickensian. Some of us were 11 years old when that happened. And it's
1: 20. Yeah, but I, I was four, but it's 24 years ago. Uh, All the
0: way back in 1999,
1: before the millennium. Uh, so that sake. that uh, and bad developmental. Very simply is. The social media, formerly known as Twitter, I am finding almost unusable at the moment. I follow people, I don't know why, because I can't. I don't see who I follow. I see whoever the algorithm thinks I should see, and half the time it's people I don't follow talking about things I don't. I'm not interested in, and all my mentions are is it looks like bots just tagging me and things. So um, I'm not going to get into the politics of why or whatever or who's to blame, but just. Twitter, formerly Twitter now X is not in a good place right now and it's a shame because I always think when it was at its best and used well it was a great platform to communicate and connect with people who had similar interests than you and I, I don't talk to any of the people who listen to our show anymore on there what we used to because I don't think they can find us. No. Like it's it's verge on impossible to use right now. So that that's all from me.
0: There is a very good book to be written by a business journalist somewhere about how you take a great product and you make it unusable because that is essentially what has happened. Um, I'm going to give you two for earning the push and I'm going to give you no back to developmentals just because I think sometimes... Oh, who's in a good mood this week? Yeah, and it, it's I was going to give you earning the push, Bake Off. I didn't watch it for a couple of years and I was like, oh, I'll just put it back on because I need something to watch. And it's just nice. It's just nice, friendly, happy baking. The world needs people just, you know having a bit of a laugh, trying to make things out of biscuits. So I'm giving Bake off the push. And my second one, anyone who's a gymnast and has been competing at the World Gymnastic Championships, because I was watching some of that yesterday evening, and it must be the most brutal sport on the bones, with all respect to your sport, which I know is brutal as well, but just how cruel they are when they judge you know, some of these women and men doing a double twisting three sixty flip out pike, and then they land and their knees wobble a bit, and they get deducted an entire point. I just think, yeah,
1: yeah, it's it's an incredible, incredible sport. Gymnastics are unbelievably strong and athletic. And I remember one of my mates, his little brother, growing up was um, he completed He's competed, he competed at the Commonwealth Games for in gymnastics, but he was when he was like eleven or twelve. He'd we asked him to do his like gymnastics routine for us just to entertain us. It was incredible, and like they're just the most ripped and strongest athletes you've ever seen and like you say for a quote-unquote non-contact sport they get battered because it is contact because when you fall off the rings or you fall off the bars or you don't land on the floor or you come off the pommel horse that's contact that's like making a tackle so yeah all the respect to the world to gymnasts however i can't get behind rhythmic gymnastics that is a completely different kettle of fish Rhythmic gymnastics is one of those
0: weird ones where I don't know enough about it, but I do look and I go, is it sexist?
1: Now I saw... So- no, because it's like, I'm running, I'm running, I'm jumping, and now I've thrown a ball, and I've caught the ball, and look at my ribbon, and I'm like, what's going on here? Well, only, only the women have to use ribbons
0: and balls. This is the thing, and and it's... Why do they? It's weird. Yeah, I don't know enough about it to have an informed opinion, but I, I just think any gymnast... Would a gymnast do well in rugby, like as a back?
1: Um... It would depend on their hand-eye coordination. Like they would have the physical attributes. I imagine like they're 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 bloody explosive. Yeah. So they'd be probably quick and they're incredibly fit and strong. But unless you are doing rhythmic gymnastics, there's no hand-eye coordination involved, particularly, is there? So it would a lot would depend on that. But absolutely, they have the transferable physical skills, no doubt about it. Apart from a lot of them are very small, as in like height-wise. Like they're incredibly muscular and strong, but they're normally about five foot five, which does staple you slightly bring your ribbons what you lack
0: in height you make up for in ribbons that will be the way out the back of the scrum ball in one hand rhythm in the other waving it around um look it's been a cracking show what are we going to be talking about on next week's show i'm going to give you my bet it is going to be wwe beating AEW by a number that is concerning on tuesday a number that really has people worried
1: yeah it's definitely going to be nxt and What I'm fascinated by with this week's NXT is I credited Sean and all the NXT's Sean, as if we're mates, uh, and all of the NXT team recently on how bringing down the main roster stars to NXT wasn't hurting the NXT product and they were still using NXT talent. And we're fascinated to see how they balance that this week, whether they just pushed out the window for a week and like this is basically just us showing off of what we've got and we want it, or if they are going to use the scene as the Haymans, the Undertakers of this world to promote NXT talent because I think it would leave a slightly sour taste in the mouth if they abandoned what they've been doing so well just to be AW. So I really hope they use Taker, for example, to put over a member of the NXT roster. I don't know how you do it, but that sort of thing. But I'm fascinated to see whether they, they sacrifice their NXT values for a week just to do that or if they keep the core values of NXT there.
0: And the flip side is, if AEW wins, wow. My God. I mean, not even star if that happens. I mean, that that's that's the that's got to be a little concern for WWE. I don't think they will, but if AW wins, then what does WWE have left in the locker? Look, it is a fascinating time for wrestling, but we have to leave it there. Remember, here's Charlie underscore Beckett on almost all the social medias. I am Jack underscore Murley. Keep supporting this podcast. Rate, reviews, subscribe wherever you listen. Tell other friends who love wrestling about what we do. We will be back next week where we'll be talking about the return of the AEW WWE War on Tuesday night. We'll have a review of Fast Lane as well, and who knows what else in this crazy wrestling world but until then for charlie and myself thanks for listening and bye-bye